Thank you. Um, this morning, I want us to talk about a topic that at first you're going to think doesn't really apply to you. Um, most of us, some of us uh, may, may look at ourselves and not see ourselves as leaders. And so when I say we're going to talk about leading others, you're thinking, great, it's time for a nap. No, it's not time for a nap because all of us have some sort of way in which we lead. Kids, grandkids, those are kind of obvious examples and, and many of us have them. But even if you don't, some of us have manager roles at work. Some of us own our own business. Some of us have leadership roles in other capacities. Uh, some of us are involved in neighborhood groups. Some of us um, lead through planning events or really delicious homecoming meals. Some of us lead every now and then. Some of us lead pretty much every day of our lives. But all of us in some capacity are leaders. And so this morning as we approach the topic of everyday wisdom for leading others, I want you to hear it and apply it to your leadership situation, even if it's not very often, even if it's not very big. Um, God has something to say even to you. As we talk about this, I want you to keep in mind who he's talking to. This is Solomon talking to his sons. He's talking to men who will be kings and princes over the land. So a lot of what he talks about is government, civilization. It's, it's, it's over a city or over a nation. And so you're going to hear that and you're going to think, well, this doesn't really apply to me. I'm not in government. Or if you work for the state, you work in some kind of uh, office position or something and you're not really, you're not the elected official or you're not the mayor of the town or you're not, you're not that sort of person, but it still applies whether it's an organization or a church or a business or a family or whatever it may be, wherever your leadership role might happen to fall, the things we're going to talk about this morning apply. Don't just hear them and say that's for somebody else. They're for you. And even if you think, well, I really don't lead anything, and even if you're right that you don't lead anything, look for these things when you're looking for leaders. We have the distinct pleasure and privilege in this country of being able to elect our leaders, which is what's so fascinating when we elect people and then complain about them. You pick them. Pick someone else. Get someone better if you don't like them. It's okay. We have a pleasure to be able to elect our leaders. So as you're looking for leaders, look for these qualities. In other words, this applies to us. I thought when I get, did this, well, it's not really going to apply very much, but then God gets a hold of me and said, no, 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 this applies. You preach the word, I'll put it on the heart. And that's what we'll do this morning. This morning, I want us to look at some aspects, some characteristics of godly leaders. What it takes to lead others in wisdom. If you want to turn, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 28. We'll be in, in 28 and 29, but we'll also be in some other chapters as well. So we'll be, we'll be jumping back and forth. Before we look into the word, let's offer uh, to God a prayer, thanking him for his word and asking him to use it to instruct us. Father God, we pray that you would take your words, your words that are written, 
25, 26, 27, 2800 years ago or more. Words that you've penned long before we were remotely conceived in any other mind than yours. And you wrote them in such a way that they applied not only when they were written, but they apply today and they apply forevermore. Father, guide us by your words. Help us to see your truth and to apply it to our lives. Help us to recognize those areas that you have given us leadership, whether it's small or great, whether it's, it's often or rare, whether it's over many or few. God, you know, you know what you've given to us to do. So Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom in leading others for your glory. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Godly leaders exhibit a few specific characteristics that the writer of Proverbs wants us to see. And the first among those is understanding. Godly leaders exercise understanding. And what I mean specifically by this is that they know who to listen to and who not to listen to. Perhaps one of the most difficult jobs of the leader is knowing where wisdom comes. Now, wisdom can come from all sorts of places. It can come from people that you trust, people that you know give good advice because they've given you good advice for years and years and years. I think of the father or the grandfather, the mother or the grandmother, who has always had the right answer when you've been looking for what you should do. Y'all know that person? Maybe it's not even a, your mother. Maybe it's someone else's mother that you talk to. Maybe it's a neighbor or a friend that you just know you can always get good advice from. Good leaders know where to find that kind of wisdom. Proverbs eleven fourteen puts it this way. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. In other words, when you have a people that don't have good advice, that don't have someone to seek out, that don't have someone that they can trust to give good wisdom, that people will fall. You know why that happens? Because we're doofuses. And sometimes we need help knowing what wisdom is. Sometimes you're in the midst of bad situations and you don't know what to do because it's all crashing down around you. Sometimes it's not that. You just can't see what the best point of it, the best, the best tact is. What, what, what the best thing for you to do in a particular situation. Sometimes it looks like a lot of bad choices and no good ones. Sometimes it looks like a lot of good choices and no bad ones. You need wisdom. You need guidance. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. You know why? Because one of them's bound to have a good idea. You get enough of the right people around you giving counsel and advice, eventually somebody's going to speak truth. Somebody's going to give you wisdom. David, when David was being chased out uh, of town by his son Absalom, David has one of his guys serve Absalom as kind of a spy. Absalom is trying to decide what should I do uh, to, to, to fully take over the throne. 
He has, he has called himself king of Israel. He, he has gone into Jerusalem and David has run away and he says, what should I do now? And he has this one trusted advisor who was a trusted advisor under David that has switched sides to Absalom and he asks him what to do. And this guy makes out a plan and he's actually given really good advice, but Absalom decides to get another counselor and that counselor gives bad advice. And the problem becomes, which advice should he follow? They both sound good. They both sound right in some ways. Which advice should I follow? If you've ever uh, watched an election, you'll see two people that sometimes give dramatically different views. And you find yourself saying, well, some of what this person's saying is true, but some of what that person's saying is true. Who should I go with? It's too bad that you can't choose half of each. Can I get you on this matter and can I get you on that matter? Can I get you running this part and you running that part? I think, I think we'd be okay. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to choose between advice, but having a good number of counselors, having a good number of people that are speaking into our situation gives us the best opportunity because we'll have the chance to hear wisdom. Patahotep was a vizier to the Pharaoh long, long ago in ancient Egypt, and he, he wrote words of wisdom, and one of the things he said is that wisdom is found among the handmaidens at the kneading troughs. Don't despise it wherever it may come from, because it might be from the un, most unlikely of places. Then again, it might be from the most likely too. Godly leaders recognize wisdom when they hear it. And they exercise understanding. They know when advice is good and when advice is bad. Sometimes you can't even explain why. I had one time someone try to tell me something and I said, that just sounds wrong. I don't know why it sounds wrong, but that just sounds wrong. And it took me a little while to find out why it sounded wrong. It was wrong. But I didn't know at the time. All I knew at the time was that it just doesn't sound right. And sure enough, with a little bit of study, I found out why it was wrong. You can't always explain how you know. Just something that God does inside of you to let you know that's not right or that's exactly right. You need to follow that. I had a pastor friend that talked about uh, a woman that he encountered who was just one of those crazy kind of people. And one day she came up to him after the service and gave him a piece of paper and said, God told me to give you this. And now this is kind of a kooky person. And he was like, Thank you. Thank you so much. And he's he's probably thinking in his mind, I don't know what's in this note that she just gave me, but it's probably crazy. He opened it up. He read it. It was a Bible verse that God had been drilling home in his life for the last few weeks. And he read it on there and he said, all right, Lord, I got it. He finally realized, <laughs> all right, this is of God. Say, so never saw that woman again. Sometimes wisdom comes at us from the most unexpected of places and godly leaders will recognize it wherever it comes from. No matter who it may be that's telling you, no matter what their history might be, godly leaders recognize wisdom and take it. Now the converse is also true. Proverbs 19.12, if a ruler listens to falsehood, all his officials will be wicked. If you allow yourself to take bad advice, if you allow yourself to bite on the things that look good, everything around you is going to fall apart. 
When a king starts to listen to bad advice, guess what everybody starts to offer? Bad advice. When you allow yourself to listen to the things that are wrong, people are going to keep surrounding you with the things that are wrong. I mean, after all, if you're the leader and you take the bait, we know we can get away with it. I had a um, a store manager one time that was particularly susceptible to certain kinds of things. And so people did those kinds of things. Another leader came in and they didn't they didn't get away with it anymore. And they had to learn new patterns. People will not naturally, if you're trying to lead someone, they will not naturally do the right thing if you allow them to do the wrong thing. I said it, I think I said it last week or the week before. I said, I try to make, I, it, when I'm at work, I try to make it so that you can be as lazy as you want to be and still do the right thing. In other words, I try to put things in, in place so that if you are doing the lazy thing, the quick thing, the easy thing, it's going to be the right thing. We want to make it as good as, as easy as possible to do the right thing. And, and sometimes people will do what's easy because it's easy not because it's right or it's wrong. And godly leaders recognize that. They recognize that if they take falsehood, that they're only going to get more falsehood. And so they set themselves up. They hear a plethora of voices around them and they have to have the ability to discern between the wise and the foolish. Godly leaders know that their ability to sort through bad advice and listen to sound wisdom makes the difference between good decisions and major regrets. Godly leaders exercise understanding. They also exercise integrity. This is so important. In fact, this is probably one of the most important aspects. It is an abomination, Proverbs 16, 12 says, for kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. You want to see something that's terrible? Get a leader doing the wrong things. When leaders are doing wrong, it all falls apart. And it's, it's something that I think one of, one of the Proverbs said, when the righteous reign, the people rejoice. When the wicked reign, they mourn. That's a paraphrase. I can't remember exactly how it said. Proverbs 28. Look in verses 15 and 16 in Proverbs 28. Like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. A ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. If you want to talk about someone who is a godly leader, they are going to rule with integrity. They're not going to be the roaring lion or the charging bear that runs roughshod over their people. How many times have you seen a, a dictator Take care of his people. Put your hand down, James. I'm a benevolent dictator in my house. That's <laughs> Not really. Mama is, but still. Um, how many times have you seen a dictator over a country with absolute power treat his people well? It doesn't happen. Do you know why it doesn't happen? Because those two things just don't go hand in hand, do they? You see, 
rulers like that tend to run over people. I mean, how do you think they get power? How do you think they keep power? You could even look at a guy like Hitler. Oh, he came to power in a good way. He was democratically elected. There was no re-election. Evil people who rule over people run roughshod. They kill their, their, they kill their citizens. They oppress their citizens. You want proof of it? Look at Hong Kong. The Iron Curtain is coming down in Hong Kong. Look at China. It's been down for years. Look at North Korea. They're afraid to do anything. That's what happens when bad rulers reign over their people. That's what happens. And I'm not just saying that to say, look at how bad they are over there and look how good we are over here. What I'm saying is that godly leaders have to have integrity. Otherwise, they will be corrupted by the power they have. It's not something that happens accidentally. It's not something that happens flippantly. It's not something that you look up and you say, oh, oh, I have integrity. Look at that. How'd that happen? It's like getting rich. You don't get rich on accident. You get it little by little, working toward it. Integrity is something you build. It's not something that happens. It's not something you stumble on. It's something you build. Godly leaders build their integrity. Proverbs 25, look over in in, uh, Proverbs 25, 4 and 5. Take away the dross from the silver, and the smith has material for a vessel. He's he's pointing to the refining process where when when you find silver and when you find gold, when you find other stuff naturally, it's got a bunch of other stuff in it. It's not just pure silver. It's silver with junk. And if you've ever tried to make silver silver things, you know that when the silver has junk in it, it doesn't make stuff very sturdy. It's too soft. It's too pliable. It's more like clay before it's been baked than it is like good solid metal. It's still metallic, but with all the other stuff in it, it's too weak to do what you want to do with it. It's too susceptible to damage. So what do they do? They melt it down. Do you know why they melt it down? To burn away all the junk. They melt it down. They put it in the furnace. They heat it up to incredibly high temperatures and all the junk burns away. And all that's left is almost completely pure 99.99% sterling silver. And then you can work with it. Then you can use it. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, you take away the dross from the silver and the smith has material for a vessel. You got to get rid of the junk in order to have it useful. Take away the wicked from the presence of the king and his throne will be established in righteousness. Now do you see where he's getting? You get the wickedness away from the king and then you got something to work with. Then you got a good ruler. This isn't just integrity personally within me. This is integrity in those around me. I have to make sure that when I'm leading, that I'm leading in such a way that I don't put up with the junk in other people around me. Because it will seep into my life. I have to not only be a person of integrity, I have to bring others to integrity as well. Build integrity within them. Strengthen them. Help them be better than what they are. 
My leadership role is not just a role of making sure I'm doing the right thing. It's making sure others are doing the right thing too. And some of that you might know just from common sense. How in the world are you going to get something done if you don't have a team that you're leading? If you're not leading people in the right direction, then you either aren't leading them or you're leading them in the wrong way. And so this is something that doesn't just happen in us. This is something that we need to encourage in others, whether it's our kids or our grandkids, whether it's our employees, whether it's the the people that are working under us, the ones we're responsible for. Maybe sometimes it's even us working up the ladder to the people that employ us. I've had times where I have built up and strengthened leaders above me. And it's not, I'm not saying that because I'm awesome. Look at me, how great I am. I'm saying that because God puts you in a position and he gives you sometimes leadership, even that doesn't look like leadership. Sometimes he gives us a role where we can pour in and invest into someone who is above us on the scale, but below us in maturity. And we have an opportunity to develop them, to help them have integrity. Godly leaders do that. They exercise integrity not only within themselves, but within other people because they recognize that they have no legacy unless they have integrity. Think about Washington or Lincoln. Do we remember them because of their policies? Eh, Somewhat. What we remember about Washington, it isn't true, but what we remember about him is, I cannot tell a lie, I did chop down that cherry tree. Okay, maybe that's not true. But that's the kind of integrity he had. He's the kind of guy that can take power for eight years as president uncontested and then say, you know what? Eight years is enough. I'm not going to be president anymore. Lincoln, yes, we remember the Gettysburg Address. and Yes, we remember freeing the slaves. and Yes, we remember leading the country through a civil war. But we remember... His integrity. He was a tall guy. But he was also a tall man. He stood tall. Not just height. But morally. We remember them because of their integrity. That's where the legacy is. And that's where ours shall be as well. Godly leaders exercise integrity. They exercise authority. This seems so simple, but... How often have you seen the leader led by the follower? You ever, you ever heard the expression, too many chiefs and not enough Indians? Everybody thinks that they're in charge and they act like they're in charge. And unless you've got a good leader leading the way, putting people in their place, it's like, a, it's like having a seven-headed monster. Everybody trying to do their own thing. It is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury, Proverbs 19.10 says, much less for a slave to rule over princes. There is a natural pecking order, and those in charge need to be in charge of those who are not in charge. That sounds harsh, that sounds cruel, that sounds mean, but that's just the way it is. Somebody has to lead. And if you don't lead, somebody under you will lead. Whether it's in your home, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your church, whether it's wherever it happens to be. If you don't lead, someone else will. And it's usually a lot of others, too. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. They complain. 
authority is really the whole point of leadership, isn't it? Somebody has to lead. And it's okay to be in charge. Godly leaders exercise authority in a way that honors God and those whom they lead without sacrificing the mission. They take charge in order to help their followers succeed. I think it's Vince Lombardi that said that I, my job as a coach is to get my men to do the things that they do not want to do in order to achieve the thing that they've always dreamed of. Somebody has to take authority. Leader, that's you. Now, there are some roles in which you are not leader. And you need to give up authority. Remember when we called Jesus Lord? Remember when you surrendered your life to Him? Why are you still controlling it? That's not your authority anymore. Why are you still calling the shots when He is Lord? You know what Lord means? Master. Jesus put it this way in Luke 6.46. It's not on the PowerPoint. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that just directly to the point? Sometimes he just nails it right on the head. Then he told him a story. He said, if you do, if you hear my word and you do them, you're like a man who builds his house on the rock. The rains come, floods rise, house is safe. It's built on the rock. They had to call out some folks to get rid of some water damage and then redo some renovation. The house was okay. It stood. You don't. You hear my word, but don't do it. You try to take authority over your own life when I should be the one in charge? Let me show you what you're like. You're like the guy who builds his house on the sand. You ever stand on the, on the shore when the waves are coming in? What happens to the sand? It's washed away. Y'all, there's sometimes when we need to exercise authority because God has given us that authority. There's other times where we've given God the authority and we need to stop being in charge and become an Indian instead of a chief. Godly leaders know when and how to exercise authority. Godly leaders also exercise justice. Proverbs 14.34 Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Again, this isn't just nations. This applies to cities, it applies to churches, it applies to businesses, it applies to families. It applies to individuals. Righteousness exalts. Righteousness, that's the funny thing, isn't it? Because when we're, really, when we're being righteous, what are we really doing? We're, we're humbling. We're putting ourselves low. We're putting ourselves in the right place. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. There was another proverb I didn't include in this that basically says, when you go into the king, humble yourself before the king. So that when the king sees you and finds favor with you, he will exalt you and then you'll be exalted. And you'll look better. Because if you can't walk in acting like you own the place, the king is going to have to put you in your place and then you'll be... Then you'll look worse. That's the Brother Michael paraphrase. Proverbs 28, verse 2. When a land transgresses, it has many rulers. I thought, you know, I thought, what about the, the nation of Israel? Like the when when the kingdom divided after Solomon's death, the 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 
folks in the north followed Jeroboam. The folks in the south stayed with Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And, and it's now a divided kingdom. Some of the kings of Israel were short-lived. There was a guy that, um, oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. I can't remember his name right off now. Elah. Elah reigned two years. He was killed by a na- man named Zimri. Zimri, li- Zimri reigned, king of Israel, for the whopping total of seven days before he was killed. Seven days. It's like it's like this turnover. You can't get rid of it. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen the business that is just in such bad shape that they get a new CEO and like nine months later they get another CEO because that one didn't work out and then then several months later there's another CEO and maybe a year and a half down the road there's another CEO. I mean they're just constantly going through leaders. It's like you can't keep anybody on board. Have you ever Have you ever seen a church that has a pastor every year or two? A new pastor. Because this one didn't work out, that one didn't work out. Have you ever seen have you ever seen a school that just can't keep a teacher? They just like all the teachers virtually get up and leave after a year. And they're constantly trying to replenish their teachers. You know why this happens? You know why it really happens a lot of times? Not all the time, but a lot of times, you know what happens? Wickedness. Transgressions. There's problems that people won't deal with. And having a new leader doesn't always solve the problem. Doesn't always solve the problem. I think God sometimes lets that happen so that people will come to the end of their rope. I've seen churches have four or five pastors in a row, just like five pastors in seven years. I mean, just ridiculously fast turnovers. And finally, he gets that church to the place where they're repenting and they're seeking his will and then the right man comes and it turns around. I've seen other cases where they don't repent and it just plummets downhill from there. Y'all, let me tell you something. If you want to be the kind of leader that God wants you to be, you cannot allow sin to continue. You can't allow it in your own heart. And as a group of people, we cannot allow it in our midst. Because when a land transgresses, it has many rulers. It's unstable. It's insecure. But with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. By justice, a king builds up the land He who exact gifts tears it down. If a king faithfully judges the poor, his throne will be established forever. Justice enables good people to flourish by dealing with bad people. It maintains order and grounds confidence in others. It's the way you know you can make a contract and that they'll fulfill it. It's a way that you know that you won't get shot when you're walking down the street. It's a way that you know that the problems will be dealt with when they arise. It allows us to live together in community as a city, as a nation, a family. When justice prevails, people can be free to pursue righteousness. Godly leaders exercise justice because it's the only way to guarantee what they built will last. You know, when I, when I think about all these things, when I think about having understanding, hearing wisdom, where it comes, and 
having integrity, being the right kind of person, having authority, and exercising it in the right way, having justice, judging rightly. I think about Christ, because he's really the godly leader par excellence. He's the one that we look to. He's the one where all these things come from. He's the one who has understanding to know when someone tells him bad advice. When Peter tries to give him bad advice, he says, get behind me, Satan. Because he knows that what's being offered to him is not wisdom, but foolishness. When when Christ is walking on earth, living his life, he's demonstrating integrity. That's why he could walk up to the disciples when he called them and said, follow me. Not just let me show you some things. Let me help you live better. No, follow me. Do what I'm doing. Come with me and do what I do. That's integrity. He exercises authority. You call me Lord, don't do what I tell you to do. He confronts wrong when he sees it. Whether it's leaders, religious leaders, whether it's, whether it's people that don't have faith in God. One day he will come again and establish justice for all eternity. Christ is our example as leaders. And God has given you a role in which you are a leader. So this morning I pray that you're following the example and you're leading others well, leading them in wisdom. We're going to do an invitation. I know this wasn't a very evangelistic message, but I feel like sometimes we need to um, still be invited to follow God. And this morning, I I have the feeling that some of us need to follow Him by giving up the authority we've been holding on to ourselves. And some of us need to follow Him by asking Him for help. Help to know what good wisdom is and and, and to avoid the bad counsel. Help Help to live with integrity. Help to exercise our authority in the right way, in the right places. Help to do justice. If you need to pray, the altar will be open. You can come pray. If you need to talk to someone, I'll be right here. But as God leads you, leader, you follow Him. Do what He wants you to do. Let him lead you as you lead others. Father, we pray this morning that you would have your will done in our hearts, that we would step aside, that we would relinquish control where we have held on to it for too long. Maybe it's, maybe it's that we've called you Lord, Lord, and not done what you've told us to do. Maybe it's that, that we're trying to follow you and, and we just need some help. But wherever the position is, Whatever the chaos may be around us, God, help us to hear your voice and follow you. Help us to be good leaders as we are a good follower. Help us to be more like Christ. We ask that you do your will in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.